Section twenty one of Twain and Howells on Each Other. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. My Mark Twain Literary Friends and Acquaintances by William Dean Howells. Chapter twenty. He satisfied the impassioned demand of his nature for incessant activities of every kind by taking a personal as well as a pecuniary interest in the inventions of others. At one moment the damned human race was almost to be redeemed by a process of founding brass without air-bubbles in it. If this could once be accomplished, as I understood, or misunderstood, brass could be used in art-printing to a degree hitherto impossible. I dare say I have got it wrong, but I am not mistaken as to Clemens' enthusiasm for the process, and his heavy losses in paying its way to ultimate failure. He was simultaneously absorbed in the perfection of a typesetting machine, which he was paying the inventor a salary to bring to a perfection so expensive that it was practically impracticable. We were both printers by trade, and I could take the same interest in this wonderful piece of mechanism that he could, and it was so truly wonderful that it did everything but walk and talk. Its ingenious creator was so bent upon realizing the highest ideal in it that he produced a machine of quite unimpeachable efficiency. But it was so costly when finished that it could not be made for less than twenty thousand dollars, if the parts were made by hand. This sum was prohibitive of its introduction, unless the requisite capital could be found for making the parts by machinery, and Clemens spent many months in vainly trying to get this money together. In the meantime simpler machines had been invented and the market filled and his investment of three hundred thousand dollars in the beautiful miracle remained permanent but not profitable i once went with him to witness its performance and it did seem to me the last word in its way but it had been spoken too exquisitely too fastidiously i never heard him devote the inventor to the infernal gods as he was apt to do with the geniuses he lost money by and so I think he did not regard him as a traitor. In these things, and in his other schemes for the subiti guadagni of the speculator, and the sudden making of splendid names for the benefactors of our species, Clemens satisfied the Colonel Sellers' nature in himself, from which he drew the picture of that wild and lovable figure, and perhaps made as good use of his money as he could. He did not care much for money in itself, but he luxuriated in the lavish use of it, and he was as generous with it as ever a man was. He liked giving it, but he commonly wearied of giving it himself, and wherever he lived he established an almoner, whom he fully trusted to keep his left hand ignorant of what his right hand was doing. I believe he felt no finality in charity, but did it because, in its provisional way, it was the only thing a man could do. I never heard him go really into any sociological inquiry, and I have a feeling that that sort of thing baffled and dispirited him. No one can read the Connecticut Yankee and not be aware of the length and breadth of his sympathies with poverty, but apparently he had not thought out any scheme for righting the economic wrongs we abound in. I cannot remember our ever getting quite down to a discussion of the matter. 
we came very near it once in the day of the vast wave of emotion sent over the world by looking backward and again when we were all so troubled by the great coal strike in pennsylvania in considering that he seemed to be for the time doubtful of the justice of the working man's cause at all other times he seemed to know that whatever wrongs the working man committed work was always in the right when clemens returned to america with his family after lecturing round the world i again saw him in new york where i so often saw him while he was shaping himself for that heroic enterprise he would come to me and talk sorrowfully over his financial ruin and picture it to himself as the stuff of some unhappy dream which after long prosperity had culminated the wrong way it was very melancholy very touching but the sorrow to which he had come home from his long journey had not that forlorn bewilderment in it he was looking wonderfully well and when i wanted the name of his elixir he said it was plasmon he was apt for a man who had put faith so decidedly away from him to take it back and pin it to some superstition usually of a hygienic sort once when he was well on in years he came to new york without glasses and announced that he and all his family so astigmatic and myopic and old-sighted had so to speak burned their spectacles behind them upon the instruction of some sage who had found out that they were a delusion the next time he came he wore spectacles freely almost ostentatiously and i heard from others that the whole clemens family had been near losing their eyesight by the miracle worked in their behalf now i was not surprised to learn that the damned human race was to be saved by plasmon if anything and that my first duty was to visit the plasmon agency with him and procure enough plasmon to secure my family against the ills it was heir to for evermore i did not immediately understand that plasmon was one of the investments which he had made from the substance of things hoped for and in the destiny of a disastrous disappointment but after paying off the creditors of his late publishing firm he had to do something with his money and it was not his fault if he did not make a fortune out of plasmon End of chapter 20